Hello, I'm Peter Laws, welcoming you back to the fifth episode of the Creepy Cove Community Church Podcast, Season 2, where tonight we're going to be talking about what's in your pocket and sharing a rather radical change that I've made in my life. If you want to support the show and get loads of extra content, including members-only weekly podcasts from me, including personal stuff, strange news and reviews, then visit patreon.com forward slash creepycove. But for now, I'd like you to walk this way. And can I warn you, if you hear any guttural sounds in tonight's service, I suggest you close your eyes and duck, which sounds like a good cue to go to church. Our church sits in a cold place at the very edge of a windswept cliff. Here, we overlook the notorious community of Creepy Cove, a haunted, mysterious fishing town by the sea. It is a place where every horror movie actually happened. And we have served the spiritual and spooky needs of the cove for centuries. But now, we invite you, our special friend, to join us. So come on in, shake off the rain, because the after dark service is about to begin. This is Creepy Cove Community Church. We bid you welcome. Good evening, you wonderful people. Yes, you are all welcome here at Creepy Cove Community Church, both in the flesh, but also all of you at home that are listening via our trendy podcast function. In fact, have a little look at your electronic device that I am emanating from now. Look, it's me. I'm trapped inside this little box speaking to you. Help me, get me out. (laughs) If you think I'm being silly, wouldn't it be actually remarkable if one day you indeed discovered that this is precisely how technology worked? (laughs) And that inside all of your devices were the tiny little actors and troubadours singing and performing. (laughs) Very amusing. (laughs) But of course, that isn't quite how it works. Is it? (laughs) Actually, in tonight's service, we're going to learn how it's not so much about someone like me taking over your phone. The taking over part may be in a slightly different direction, as you shall see. But first we shall say the notices in a little section that I like to call, What's Happening, Lord? Well, we want to start tonight with some fantabulous news. Our sound engineer, Jackson, He lives, yes. We thought he had been dashed against the rocks after being pushed to his death by the vengeful church ghost Verity Pemberton. But would you believe that last week at the Seniors Aqua Aerobics Group, who were doing their keep fit regime over in Drake's Bay, they were just about to do the elderly equivalent of the running man underwater when one of the elderly screamed a bone-chilling pitch. And from the water burst a man's head covered in putrid gore and sickening grew. It was Jackson, our sound engineer. And while most assumed his face had been ravaged by the rocks or even a hungry merman, it was a shocking delight to find that he was simply covered in a new species of hitherto undiscovered jellyfish clamped to his face. And so it was peeled off and after a six hour operation, Jackson is not only alive and well, his skin has been so beautifully moisturized that he looks two years younger. And now the cosmetic arms of the Umbrella Corporation, a local firm, are studying these jellyfish for their beautifying properties. Well, what a turnout that ended up becoming. But we're very, very 
pleased indeed. So thank you for all your diligent prayers for Jackson. It's wonderful to have him back riding the decks at the back tonight and fighting off admirers, no doubt, for his jelly-fueled visage. <laughs> I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, oh, yes, of course, uh, little Carol Ann. I'm afraid she is still missing. Unlike Jackson, she hasn't been discovered as yet. Yes, we lost her recently in the poltergeist house, but uh, sadly, no sign of her. But look, we've still got the television at the ready, just in case she springs out and about. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, moving on, we have a very special guest. One of our youngsters who is currently part of a very special house group in our church. This group meets once a month for mutual support and fellowship, and it's known to most of us as the DPF. But if you're not sure what that is, well, it stands for our demonically possessed friends. Yes, there are members of our congregation who, for one reason or t'other, have found themselves to be infested and even controlled at times by the devil and his little henchmen. Well, I'm told that can be quite awkward and stressful at times, and messy too, as some of you will no doubt know. And this is, of course, why the DPF always meet in a special, wipeable room that we have at the back of our church. They have wonderful fellowship together and support one another, sharing the challenges of their lives and going on wonderful outings together. For example, this year they're heading to the Iraqi desert for the weekend, which sounds most enlightening and marvelous too. We thought it might be nice to meet one of the members of the DPF, the Demonically Possessed Friends Group. So can you all put your hands warmly together as we welcome little Reagan McNeil from town. Ah, <laughs> hello Reagan, what a joy to see you. How are you? I'm fine, how are you? <laughs> I'm tip top. And um... I thought perhaps tonight I'd end up speaking to the ancient malevolent demon of Pazuzu, but it's actually you, isn't it, Reagan, tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Phew. Well, my suit is safe, then. It's good. No horns, I see. No horns. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reagan, I know how much you value the DPF because you're surrounded with others with who will have the same um, mood swings as you do. But it must be a challenge when you're away from the group, at school, for example, when you're, I don't know, in the school canteen, eating some scrumptious spaghetti with your compadres, when you suddenly start to peel your lips back in a rictus demonic grin, and then turn the air blue with your filthy and vile obscenities. My mouth kind of sets in a smile. It's so grim. <laughs> it's really funny, but... Funny? <laughs> yeah. But that can't be very funny for them, and I guess not for you. You know, they don't treat me any different. They don't? Well, that is most commendable of them, but, but what assumes you would feel a modicum of guilt if you, for example, violently vomited all over your fellow students' luncheon? I guess it doesn't bother me because... Really? They like what I've done. They like it? Or maybe they don't Ooh. like what they've done, maybe they like the idea. <laughs> well, I suppose the idea of having puke on your sandwich is not quite as bad as having puke on your sandwich. But, yeah. I don't know, it doesn't bother me, I don't think about it. Mm, yes, well, I can understand why you would want to push the situation from your mind, perhaps, Regan. I can't imagine it's easy to process being a 12-year-old girl 
who must share a body with an animal-human hybrid demon with wings, the tail of a scorpion, the head of a dog, and a serpentine <coughs> winky. <gasps> Sorry for that slightly crass last detail. She's going! She's going! Reagan, you've grown pale. You seem to instantly require chapstick. Are you okay, Reagan? I'm not Reagan. The head is starting to rotate. Here we go. Don't do that in yoga, do you? Okay, calm down. All right, strap in, everyone. We've got a new guest. Brace yourself. Hello again, Mr. Pazuzu. Just to remind you, I'm Rupert. And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. Straps? (laughs) They're not straps, my dear fellow. They're called loom bands. Yes, it was a children's accessory that was popular a few years back. Reagan's only 12, but she enjoys such things. She still wears them, despite them being out of fashion, for she bought thousands of them on eBay. Well, um... Just leave them. They're just loom bands. They're pretty. Now, Reagan... I I mean... I mean, Pazuzu... Or the devil, or whoever the heck you are. Um, how long do you plan to stay, little rig? Until she rots and lies stinking in the earth. Firstly, that's a little bit much. And secondly, I'm afraid that's impossible, for Reagan has her Sunday school, which commences in 15 minutes, so you'll have to hop, skip, a jump out of her to prepare her for that. It would bring us together. You and Reagan? You and us. Oof, no. I'll pass, thank you. No offense. But my Brenda is quite house proud, and we have a brand new duvet, which must not be soiled. Uh, anyway, where's little Reagan now? In here, with us. Would you like to leave a message? Oh, yes, please. I see that she gets it. Oh, lovely. Please tell her that her Sunday school class will commence in about ten minutes in the hall, and they're making a jelly Jesus. They have molds and everything. That's much too vulgar display of power. Oof. You know what, friend, I agree with you on that. There's something rather crass about jelly. The wobble of it. It's uncouth. Intensely. Though I know that the chicken... Oh, oh, excuse me. Oh, right in my eyes. Oh, oh, stings. In time. Well, I'm afraid you smell terribly, and so if you don't mind, we will have to give you a little splashdown with some Febreze. What's that? It's a harmless... You keep it away. It's a harmless air freshener with no holy water, only a mild, secular parfum. See? Uh, uh, it burns! I do love the drama, don't you? Oh, it burns! Seems to have worked. For look, here's lovely Reagan back again now, ready to make some jiggling Jesus jelly. Howdy! <laughs> and I can't imagine you found it funny to vomit in my eye just now, did you? <laughs> yeah. Oof! Well, ladies and gentlemen, can you please put your hands together for the lovely and frankly mischievous Reagan McNeil. Do spare a thought for the DPF, our demonically possessed friends, and remember them in your prayers. It's not an easy life unless you find that sort of thing funny. Well, that's what's happening, oh Lord. Well, in a moment, Peter's going to come and preach to us, but uh, we have a very short and sweet Bible reading, so short, in fact, that I'm going to shoot it at you. It's from Colossians 4, verse 5, and it simply says this, Behave wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Hmm, let's see what that's all about. Peter, it's over to you. Thank you, Rebecca. Appreciate it. Can you leave the Febreze there? Oh, yes. Musty air. Very Thank you. All right. 
Okay, here's my first question then, everyone. Put your hand up if you have ever been demonically possessed. Now, of course, yes, there are a few of you. Yes, of course, we've got people from the DPF group here. We've got Reagan, Emily, Abby. Oh, yeah, and Ash at the back there, Rosemary. George up on the balcony. Yes, uh, you know, we've had quite a few folks in Creepy Cove who've become sadly demonically possessed and i know that having someone climb into your body and take control isn't a great deal of fun especially when that invader might make you say or do things that aren't helpful it can even turn you against others or make you a slave to its whims not to even mention making you violently vomit from one side of the room to the other which is impressive and yet still undesirable but i noticed that most of us did not put our hands up to that because most of us in this room and indeed listening at home have not been demonically possessed. Indeed, there will be many of us even in this church who would claim that even such a thing doesn't exist. Who knows? You can discuss that amongst yourselves. But let me ask you another related question. Have you ever been possessed by something else? Has something else ever governed what you did or shaped how you thought and perceived the world? Well, I want to suggest that there can be something that does that, and you're sitting with it right now. Something that sits in your pocket. No, I don't mean you've been possessed by that little box of Tic Tacs that you haven't quite finished. No, I'm talking about being possessed by your phone, and specifically by certain apps on your phone. Now, you might immediately turn around and say, uh, look, my phone is not that advanced, right? I can't afford to get the model that has possession mode enabled. But are you so sure that this thing in your pocket or in that trendy bum bag you're wearing is a mere tool of which you are the master? Well, I'm sure this is the case for many of us. I love having a phone. I can take my phone all over the place and pull goofy faces on pictures or try to attempt to look cool in selfies. I can listen to pretty much any piece of music I want. I can play games. I've got access to almost every part of human knowledge just under my thumb. So it's amazing and it is a gift to humanity. But there is something on our phones and devices that some might argue has the power to seep into our mind and take a sort of measure of control to possess us, or at least to possess a sizable chunk of our thought life. I'm talking about social media. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not one of those people who, like, see social media as the death knell of civilization. You know, I'm, I'm active on the socials. Oh, yeah, daddy-o. Social media, it's fun. It's helpful. It can help you keep in touch with so many more people than perhaps you would have normally. And it can also, I think, create a very genuine sense of community. An example would be, I remember once a member of my family was really quite ill, and I had to hop in a car to visit them. And not knowing, actually, if if that person would be there when I arrived. So it was a stressful experience. And um, I don't normally share really personal stuff on social media, but I was worried about this person. So I put a brief post on there asking if people were the kind of praying type to remember the situation. And then I hopped in the car and drove for about four hours. I didn't look at my phone while I was driving, but I did have the sound on. And throughout that drive, I could hear the ping, 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 noise of notifications coming through. And clearly it was m way more than I would normally get. And when I stopped to get some uh, petrol, I remember checking it and seeing all of these messages from strangers, people who actually, some of which I'd never ever met before. And yet through social media were wishing me 
all the best and sending good wishes because of the situation. And I just remember being very moved by this and feeling definitely comforted and connected. And so, you know, we're talking about social media and it is great and it has some fantastic elements to it. And so, I, no, I'm not the type of person who's, who's saying you should detox from it altogether and ditch it unless you want to, of course. I'm not trying to guilt trip you about this uh, technology. However, I, wanted to, I do want to share something with you that I've discovered about myself and social media. Something that happened at the beginning of this year when I noticed something. Every day I was scrolling through social media. And sometimes I was reading genuinely fascinating posts, especially if I'd posted them myself, of course. But, <laughs> but mostly I was reading stuff that fell into two unexpected categories. Either one, I was reading stuff that annoyed me or wound me up. Or two, I was reading stuff that ultimately bored me and didn't interest me. And this in, in any other walk of life, you would think, oh, well, if something annoys you or gets on your nerves, or if something bores you and doesn't interest you, you probably wouldn't want to keep doing that. And yet I kept my thumb scrolling, even up to like one in the morning, lying in bed, thinking to myself, I'm really tired, but I guess I'll just do another five thumb scrolls. My phone was not a little demon, but it did have this surprising ability to make me pay attention to stuff that really, in my right mind, I wouldn't really want to be bothered with. And not only that, it was doing this everywhere. I was succumbing to its demands to speak in the toilet, in the bath, when I was out on walks, when I was lying in bed, like when I woke up at like two in the morning for some reason, I thought, oh, I'll just I'll check it, see what's going on there. It, it, it almost felt like a low grade case of possession in a way. And I started to think, is this really how I want to spend my time? Well, it's certainly how a lot of us like to spend our time. Uh, in fact, according to uh, We Are Social, 53% of the entire world's population use social media each month. That's 4.14 billion people. That's a lot of people. With the most popular platforms being Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the most popular of all, actually, is YouTube. Some people might not think of social media as being YouTube. I love YouTube. I'm a huge fan of YouTube. But, um, you know, that does certainly have social media elements. But the bottom line is billions of us are using social media daily and it has become a natural part of the human experience for so many of us. And it's even starting to shape world events or voting habits. There's been particular concern expressed recently about how people rely on social media for much of their news, for example. 52% of adults in the US said Facebook was their dominant uh, source of news. 28% said YouTube, 17% Twitter. And there's huge debates about how social media radicalizes people into certain ideological groups or legitimizes conspiracy theories. But listen, I want to focus, um, as fascinating as those are, and actually I look at those sorts of things in my weekly podcast, the Peter Laws podcast, just a little plug there. But um, I want to explore instead the more subtle negative effects, ones that might not affect the world out there, but just ones that might affect you personally. I read a blog post last week from an author called Michelle de Rusha, and uh, she said that social media had become, and I quote, dangerous ground for her. And she even got to the extent where she called it an addiction. She said that somehow um, it was moving her towards negative and self-defeating thoughts and behavior. 
and that the reason she was going on it was not because she felt that it was important, but because she was bored or procrastinated, procrastinating or tired. And for some reason, social media became her go-to way of unwinding. And yet the irony was that it was only winding her up even more. And she recognized three problems that she was experiencing with social media, all three of them beginning with C, which is clever. <laughs> That's another C. Good, eh? The three things were this. Social media was making her compare more, covet more, and complain more. Now, comparing is obvious. It's simply when we find our feelings of envy and jealousy stoked by other people's posts, which isn't really hard sometimes when everyone else on social media seems to be having such a fabulous life with the photographs to prove it. And this comparing can lead to coveting. It's a very religious sounding words. You shall not covet thy neighbor's ox, you know, but the, it, it literally just means wanting what the other person has, you know, being jealous to look as good as them, to own as nice a house as them, to have a great relationship like they do, to be as witty or original as them, to be as successful as them. That's a big one. So um, she found that her sense of comparison and coveting got so much that it would lead her inevitably to look at her own life and then complain, to look around and think, well, this doesn't match up to what I'm seeing on the screen in my pocket. For Michelle then, she said that while social media had many wonderful aspects, she just found that when she used it a lot, she became more prone to things like sadness, dissatisfaction, and indeed apathy, and a lack of ambition for her own life. So she stepped back from social media. She decided to block it out. Well, my issue um, wasn't so much uh, comparing or coveting, at least I don't think so, though I'm sure I do that on a subconscious level. Um, but my issue actually was more about what I mentioned earlier, that I was just spending way too much time reading people's posts that I just wasn't interested in. There's only so many Bernie Sanders sitting on the set of go Golden Girl memes that a guy needs in his life. And also reading posts from people who were actually very annoying, saying things like just that wound me up, you know, the coronavirus is a complete hoax, for example. And all this kind of reminded me of this verse from the Bible that we had before, Colossians 4 verse 5, which says, behave wisely towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Interestingly, this was written by a guy called Paul, who was one of the leaders of the early church. And he's writing to another church while he is in prison in Rome. And he's been locked up for preaching about Jesus and for defiling the temple. Basically, he brought some Greeks into it, which he thought was fine. But the religious leaders at the time were like, no way, keep those Greeks out of here. They're defiling it. Anyway, so the point is he gets detained by the Roman authorities for about four years, but not in a prison cell. Paul actually gets put in a fairly normal house. Paul's been in prison before, and he would be again in proper, horrible prison cells. In fact, he'd end up getting uh, martyred or executed. But this, this prison he's in at the moment, this house arrest thing, by comparison, is quite comfortable, right? Except he's still not free because he's chained to a guard at all times. Just think about that image for a minute. Living your life in a normal looking house where you can pretty much do what you want inside the house, but you're not allowed to leave and you are forced to spend time all the time with a stranger who is chained to you wherever you go. And so with this like random guy tied to him at all times, he ends up writing letters of encouragement to the churches, which is where he writes this thing about being wise in how you behave with outsiders and strangers. And it just, I don't know, it just made me think, 
you know, I'm not really spending any physical time with strangers, people outside my immediate family at the moment when I think about it, because, you know, due to the pandemic, I'm in, inside a lot. But then actually, when I really think about it, I am ironically spending a lot of time with people who I don't really know that well online, you know, like also lots of complete strangers, which is fine. But the verse also talks about making the best use of my time, using time well. And I just sort of thought, well, hang on. Is staying up until 1am, scrolling through photographs of what complete strangers had for dinner tonight, is that a good use of my time? Now, if I'm really interested in that, yeah, why not? Go for it. But the weird bit was, I'm not that interested in it. So it's not a wise use of my time for me. And so I tried something simple which turned out to be quite profound. At the end of January 2021, I deleted Facebook and Twitter from my phone. Not from the computer in my office, just from my phone. And I just thought I might share with you what I've noticed since I did that. Well, to start with, I'm spending a lot less time on social media. You know, this, this might sound obvious, but it's not necessarily as obvious because some people may think, oh, well, you'll just be in your office all the time checking it. But it's true. I check it when I'm working. I post stuff. It's actually important for the work I do to be um, you know, active on social media. So I still do that. Um, but because it's not present in the spaces I relax in, I find myself much more ruthless in not following endless rabbit holes. So I'm simply not doing the glassy-eyed zombie scroll through uninteresting comment, uh, content as much as I did before, which is great. Secondly, I'm looking up more. I know that sounds a bit weird, but listen to me. I, I don't think I appreciated how often I was living my life with my eyes down. Since removing those apps from my phone, I don't have as much reason to look down. I look up. An example would be when I make a cup of tea, I pop to the kitchen and up until... The end of January, I'd put the kettle on, the kettle would start bubbling and boiling. And as that went, I thought, oh, well, I might as well quickly check my messages. Now, I don't really have anything to look at on my phone necessarily. And so I just end up strolling to the window to look at the trees next to my house. Which, which is actually a surprisingly cool thing to do, it turns out. Um, it reminds me of where I live. Uh, number three, I'm enjoying films and TV more. You know, I'm not on the couch grabbing my phone every millisecond I get bored with a film. Do you ever do that? <laughs> you know, do you ever watch a film and think, oh, I know that actor. I think I'll just grab my phone and check what else uh, she was in. And then you decide to go on social media maybe to see if anyone else is watching the film that you're watching. Or you read a film review with a film that you're watching. Um, I do that sometimes and I end up getting, like, losing track of the film's story. And shock horror, I wind up not enjoying the film quite as much. Heck, I even sometimes found myself going on Wikipedia just to read the plot of what I was currently watching. Because I'd zoned out and missed sections. But now... I'm not checking my social media when I'm sitting on the couch because it's not there. And so I'm just noticing that uh, I'm watching the films and watching the TV shows and sometimes actually leaving my phone in the kitchen somewhere because I'm not as bothered having it by my side. Another thing that I've noticed is that I'm going to sleep earlier. I still have a phone routine in bed, of course. I especially like a quick look at funnier, intense Ebaum style videos, for example, like memes and stuff. I love that sort of thing. But there are only so many new and notable videos to watch each day, and so I find that I've run out of content after a much shorter time than before. Whereas on social media, the content just seems pretty much endless. And so what happens is in bed, I start to feel tired and brace yourself for this. I just tend to go to sleep. 
which is really important. You know, good night's sleep is important for your health. What else have I noticed? Well, I'm listening to my kids more when they talk. Before I'd listen to them and chat, but then I'd have to just lift my phone and say, oh, I just got to check something. And in my mind, it would feel important that I checked, but it often wasn't. Certainly wasn't as important as my kids who were standing right in front of me. Without having those particular apps on my phone, I rarely need to check something when I'm with them. And you know what? They've noticed. Another interesting change is my life feels less like a game or a task. Let me explain. You know, Charlie Brooker, the writer of shows like um, Black Mirror and Screen Screenwipe, well, he did a countdown of the best video games once many years ago, and his number one choice of the best, best video game was what? Resident Evil? No. Call of Duty? No. Super Mario? Pac-Man? No. It was Twitter. And I remember thinking, huh? That makes no sense. Twitter is not a game until he made the persuasive case that Twitter is the greatest game of all because he said it turns life into a game where even the very minutiae of our existence becomes an opportunity to score a point, to gain a like or a follower. Everything becomes a resource for us to share with our fellow you know, followers online. So since deleting these apps from my phone, I must say that I feel like I'm far less likely to live life with those frequent moments of, oh, I better take a photograph of that and post about it. An example would be going for a walk. This is often now just turning into going for a walk. It makes the world feel less like a sandbox video game filled with side quests and more like just a space that I can get out in and notice nature. Look up at the roofs of houses. That's interesting, by the way. The next time you're out, look up for a bit and notice the tops of the trees and houses and buildings. You might see things you've not seen before. Another thing I've noticed is that I'm not hunting for conflict as much. At the start of January, I got kind of obsessed with American politics and the shenanigans around the election and the aftermath of that. And, and it, it seemed to spark vigorous debate between Christian conservatives on one side and more liberal progressive thinkers on the other. And around that time, I found myself deliberately seeking out social media posts, particularly from very strong, hardcore Christian conservative people who were saying things that I found shocking or divisive. And I wasn't seeking them out because I agreed with them. It was the precise opposite out of, it was like morbid curiosity, maybe similar to my love of horror. And sometimes I'd engage with these posts and spend a long time crafting a response to try and have a reasonable conversation. But now, now that I've taken them off my phone, yeah, I could still drop into those conversations if I want to, but I'm just not bothering that much because I don't want to sit in my office taking up my office time doing that. Since it's not on my phone, I just, I'm not that bothered about joining in. It, you know what it feels like? It feels like, yes, arguments are going on in the world, absolutely. But they're going on in another person's house, not my house. Now, I am sure there's more benefits to this. And also take note, by the way, I'm not making some massive declaration that I'll never have these apps on my phone again. You know, to be honest, uploading pictures to Twitter was a bit of a hassle now on a phone. It was instant, but transferring a picture from the phone to my computer to upload and post is a bit of a drag. <laughs> but the time it takes to airdrop a picture from some cool horror movie from my phone onto my um, computer is nothing compared to the amount of time wasting life credits on posts that promise to find out what breed of cartoon dog your personality projects. I'm personally finding that I'm okay without such information. 
So just to conclude, I'm still engaged with social media. So this is not a detox thing for me. It's a geography thing. It's saying social media is in my house, but it's not in every room I go into. Before it really was almost like being chained to a kind of random bunch of strangers, which just made me think of that image of the Apostle Paul chained to a stranger while under house arrest in a house that did not look like a common prison cell. And yet it was because his time was being stolen by these authorities, these strangers, these guards who, who knows, maybe they became friends and had a good laugh together. I don't know, but maybe they didn't. But anyway, he writes to people who haven't been trapped in this situation yet. And he case basically says, make use of your time. Your time is precious. I'll put it in a creepy cove way. I don't, I don't feel like my house is haunted, but the thought of the entire world in my pocket following me from room to room is a bit like being haunted by ghosts who never leave your side. I don't feel like I'm demonically possessed. <laughs> I do not think that social media is of the devil. But finding this thing in my pocket demanding my attention and actually getting my attention, even for content that I'm not even bothered about? It's a little bit like being low-key possessed, I suppose, or at least controlled. Which is why I deleted Facebook and Twitter from my phone. Just my phone. Still engaged. But I just don't feel chained to the entire world in every room I go to. And for what it's worth, so far, I can already feel the benefits of performing this little digital exorcism. Okay, so we now come to a time of prayer and meditation. And remember, if you don't believe in this sort of thing, that really is fine. So if I say something like God or some sort of religious type word like that, feel free to use that term as just a symbol of whatever you see as the source of your strength or positivity. But let's just have a moment of space. In a way, not so much to connect with the world around us, but to disconnect from it for a moment. And maybe as we do, to raise our consciousness a little to the reality of what's right in front of us. And so, picture yourself. You are in a bedroom, lying on a bed. It doesn't have to be the same room, but for what it's worth, I'm picturing the room from William Friedkin's film, The Exorcist. And there you are, you are the occupant of that bedroom. This is your house, with a window to your right. It's just open, and the breeze is wafting the curtains a little. And there's a lamp putting out a low light. All you want to do is have your own space. But this room has been invaded by constant people and other things. Just as you think that, the room grows exceptionally cold. And you can see your own breath fogging the air in front of you. And you feel that low rumble of a presence an unwanted stranger yet again who has set up not only in this room, but in you. And you just want to be left alone to use your time as you wish. But the stranger demands your attention and it speaks to you things that at first seem okay, but the more you get sucked in, the less you feel like yourself and your energy is draining and your head is spinning <laughs> figuratively. But look, a couple of strangers in the blur enter the room. Priests, not the lazy stereotypes you often see on TV. 
These are just normal people with faith and doubts of their own. And they have done something remarkable. One of them has picked up your phone and has transferred some of the apps on your phone to theirs. Which might sound odd, but it's changed something. Now they're the ones locked into the screen. They're the ones jumping out the window. But you're okay. You suddenly feel the room change. The cold is leaving. And everything's becoming warm again, dare I say it, even cozy. And your loved ones look at you and smile. Why? Because they are seeing you again. So let's pray. God, we want to thank you for technology and social media and phones and devices. They really are absolutely amazing things. We love them. And uh, some of us uh, just find them as only that. They're just a brilliant tool and nothing else. So help us to keep enjoying them. But just in case, if there are any of us listening tonight who are finding that there are elements of these technologies that are subtracting from our lives, then would you help us in this moment? Firstly, help us to be wary of the negative and accusing voices that might come to us when we spend so long staring at the strangers in our rooms, from those of us who are falling into comparison all the time. Would you help us to stop hearing that voice that keeps saying, you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not talented enough, you're not successful enough. Or that our relationships aren't strong enough because we are somehow less than the filtered and clearly mediated lives that we see on screen. Remind us of the reality of all people's lives behind their social media. Help us to feel a sense of solidarity with the rest of the world, which have not got it all together, but all of us are vulnerable and insecure humans behind our little screens in our little rooms. And that the people that we may envy so much may be sitting there envying someone else. Help us to stop comparing and embrace who we are. That can take a long time and make us suspicious of coveting other people's lives. Though it's easy to envy what other people have, and sometimes it could be a source of inspiration for us to move forward with our own achievements, guard us, those of us who are falling into the constant sense of wanting what we do not have. Instead, God, perform a miracle in us that we might want what we do have already. That's a pretty subversive and liberating experience of simplicity. Help us to stop coveting so much. And finally, God, we pray for help with complaining. Social media can make us so jealous of others and feeling inadequate by comparison that we complain about our own lives constantly. Sometimes that's fair enough, but sometimes we're being way too hard on ourselves. Help us to stop judging so much, especially when it's against elusive standards. But social media can also lead us into polarized and tribalistic thinking where people in the world become either the good guys or the bad guys, help us to know that it is much more complicated than that. And may we move from people whose complaining doesn't lead to destroying things, but that somehow our sense of unrest will lead to us building bridges between unexpected groups. In the end, God, give us great wisdom in how we deal with the strangers in our pockets 
And may we be delighted with a life in which we can say we have used our time wisely. Amen. Well, thank you for taking part in that. We're going to end our service now by inviting the band to the stage, and they're going to lead us in a new horror hymn, and it's called, There's a Demon in My Pocket. There's a demon in my pocket, what am I gonna do? The sucker keeps a calling With a cute pop socket and a case of sapphire blue But its language is appalling Just the other day I was with my wife She was telling me the biggest secret of her life Then she looked at me and started to cry Cause I was posting a recipe for pumpkin pie There's a demon in my pocket What am I gonna do? That sucker keeps a calling With a cute pop socket And a case of sapphire blue And my wife keeps a balling I was at my kids' nativity, such a wholesome good activity. But my kids' big line, and no room at the inn, was drowned out by me laughing at LinkedIn. Yeah, there's a demon in my pocket. What am I gonna do? That sucker keeps a calling. Pop socket and a case of sapphire blue And our dad cred is falling Oh, late at night I can feel the dream Calling my name From across the stream And one day I'll go But not before I see pocket what am I gonna do and frankly I am tetchy told my boss that the queen is a lizard drinking grew and the dummy called me sketchy there are times when I'd like to be free but the power of the zeitgeist compels me Besides the demon, don't ask much of me Just my thumb and my mind and an exorbitant monthly fee There's a demon in my pocket, what am I gonna do? That sucker keeps a calling With a cute pop socket and a case of sapphire blue But its language is appalling There's a demon in my pocket, what am I gonna do? Calling me right now with a cute pop socket and a case of sapphire blue, but his language is. Excuse me, I just gotta check this. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, everybody, once again for coming to Creepy Cove Community Church. Support the show by visiting patreon.com 
forward slash creepy cove. But for now, let's uh, head out for some cocktails. Hey, Reagan, thank you so much for the interview before. And oh, wow, is that your little jelly Jesus? You know, it looks a bit to me like Nicolas Cage from Con Air. Very nice. Oh, sorry, I thought that was a compliment. Um, well, changing the subject, I hear that you're going to be presenting the church quiz on Wednesday. Anybody helping you with that? Captain Howdy. Who? Captain Howdy. Oh, right, okay. And so you do the quiz as a team, do you? Like, how does that work? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Ah, right. So are you still having a Richard Burton round this year? Yeah, I'll show you. Cool. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for Creepy Cove. Just a couple of uh, notices about uh, what's available on the Patreon at the moment. Um, there's a free thing that's available to anyone, even if you're not a member, and it's related to the services we had recently about relationships. So if you would like to get a free um, relationship discussion starter guide with a bunch of like questions that you can share with, you know, and a significant person in your life, then that's available at the Patreon. Just there, find that there. It's unlocked and available for all. And also for members of the Patreon, I just uploaded recently um, a very um, intense audio extra, which is where you have to sit in your lounge with your headphones on in the dark. And for about 26 minutes, you have a simulated remote mediumship parapsychology type experience. And um, a few of the patrons have been getting back in touch with me saying they needed a stiff drink afterwards because it's been quite scary. So hey, if that's your type of thing, check it out on the Patreon as well as all, always the uh, the usual um, weekly podcast and a bunch of other extras too. So anyway, thanks again for listening. Um, have a great uh, next couple of weeks and we'll see you soon on the Windswept Church on the Peak. <laughs>